This is a Clock Shelves Podcast Network production. Welcome to another episode of Paul and All. As always, I'm your host, Paul Casey, and I'm delighted to have my guest back today. And we were talking very briefly before we started, and I don't think this person has been on since around April. So somehow, almost the entirety of quarantine, I haven't had a good one-on-one conversation with this person. Go ahead and reintroduce yourself, sir. And I am also delighted to be here. I am Kevin Zane, aka the powerhouse of podcasting. Good to hear your voice, Paul. Welcome back to the show. It's it's good to be recording, uh, as you know, and, and you gave me a little bit of flack for it. I've been been slacking a bit. I've been having Where's some the content. I uh, I've been I've been having some uh, some um I don't know. I've, I've been feeling a bit down and um, with my work because I work retail. So you know uh, Halloween and getting into Christmas as of this recording, which of course Christmas setup was long before Halloween even was upon us. Uh, So, you know, real life has unfortunately gotten in the way, but we are trying to get back on track with things. And with that, we are finally doing an episode that I have had the idea for uh, for several months now. Some uh, regular listeners of the show may know that many, many, many months ago, I had uh, our friend... Bill Kava on to talk about great man. Uh, absolutely. Uh, to talk about going to um, comic book conventions. I don't even know if they're still technically called comic book conventions. They're, they should be really pop culture conventions or whatever, uh, you know, by this point. But I know that my friend Kevin goes to a lot of those and I've been waiting uh, till we both had the exact right amount of time to uh, go over almost the same list of questions with you, Kevin. And I'm excited that you're here and I'm excited to talk about cons because as much as I know that that is a thing for you, I don't know if we've ever really had like a, a in-depth conversation about you and your con activities. Uh, I, I believe you're right. Uh, we haven't talked about it. I haven't. And I'm more than willing and happy to share because right now, uh, with the state of things, the, the way things are going in this world, in this country, uh, like you said, it's understandable that we all hit a little bit of a lull, right? But right now, as a great man has said, it's time to heal. We're going to begin the healing by talking this out and uh, by reminiscing about some cons because I haven't been to one all year. I had many set up that I thought I was going to get to this year. Uh, unfortunately, that did not happen. Uh, but we're, we're going to start the healing by, by reminiscing and talking about it and starting to look forward. And, uh, you know, one of the the ways that Kevin and I met, well, the way that Kevin and I met was actually through a con. And so I I guess that would be the first question. So kind of going off script of the the questions that I had laid out, the original Lost Con or Lost 2014 or 2014 Lost, I don't quite remember how that worked. Would you, (laughs) in, in, in your experience, would you consider that a con in the classic sense? Would that be like, again, because I don't, I, personally, I don't necessarily think they should be called comic 
you know, comic book conventions or comic cons anymore, because like I said, they are kind of pop culture related things. You have Walker Stalker Con now and whatever. But would you consider that a con in sort of the classic sense? Definitely not in the classic sense. Uh, I, when I decided to attend that, uh, the lost con or lost 2014 is whatever it was known as at the time. Um, my understanding was it was going to be like a once in a lifetime thing. I didn't think any of us would have the opportunity to go back, uh, no pun intended and do it again. Um, which we ended up, we did in 2017 and we were supposed to in 2020 didn't happen. But so I'm very, very glad that I went there and did that. And it had a lot of the, uh, staples of, conventions it had panels it had artists uh q a it had uh meet and greets and autograph sessions so it just the fact that it happened to be in hawaii uh and and over the course of three or four days whatever it was uh the uh filming location tours that's not something you get at most typical cons so uh they even added that extra bonus but yeah i'd say that's it, it was Absolutely a convention, but definitely not in the, in the conventional sense where you, it's something you would expect to do every year. Like a lot of these conventions come across whatever location they're in annually, if not uh, more often than that. So I wouldn't expect to see it in that term, but as far as a once in a lifetime kind of convention, yeah, sure. Right. And that's that's the thing is that I was kind of under that same impression was that it was supposed to be a, a once in a lifetime thing. And it ended up being twice in a lifetime, I guess, um, as of now, at least. But I do remember just very briefly, and I think we've talked about this off mic. Um, I remember there was a time when there was supposed to be a lost con like every year, but it was going to be like a smaller thing, I guess, almost like a Walker Stalker con or, or, you know, kind of piggybacking off of other cons and things like that. Um, but so, so with cons, I, like I said, I have a, a list of questions here that I actually asked Bill. So I guess we could start out the first official question. What was the first con you ever attended? So this question actually has kind of an interesting and, lengthy answer um and it relates to someone you now know uh my good friend ellsworth uh who has appeared on uh many clock shelves programs at this point um for my 30th birthday he uh myself ellsworth uh, a group of other friends of mine during my actual birthday we were on a cruise the first cruise i had ever taken uh i believe it was first for first cruise for all but uh, one of the people we were with and uh, had a great time, but didn't uh, didn't necessarily get any any gifts in the traditional sense. I was happy just having my friends with me to celebrate that event. But uh, Ellsworth said, uh, I, I'm, I'm getting you something. I have to get you something. It's your 30th birthday. You're one of my best friends. Uh, and what I'm going to get you, he wouldn't tell me. Exactly. He would just kind of drop hints. He'd like, we're, I forget exactly what he said, but he, at first he was like, oh, we're just going to take a little ride. Uh, you know, and then he's like, oh, well, you got to make sure you're off that day. You got to make sure you're off all day. And I'm like, well, where's he going with this? And then he started dropping hints that led me to Baltimore. And, you know, he gave me the date. 
and he said and and whatever hints he was telling me led me to Baltimore and I started googling like what's going on in Baltimore that day and then he he started saying something like uh, you know, this thing that we're going to do, I don't think we may have many chances to do this again in the future. Uh, this guy, he might not be around much longer. And that, that really kind of led me down a path where I start Googling and I see Baltimore Comic Con special appearance by Stan Lee. I'm like, oh, OK, I, I think I'm on, I think I think I'm on to something here. So he's like, you have to bring something to be autographed. But he's still not telling me who I'm getting this autograph from. (laughs) So uh, I'm really taking a shot in the dark, and I packed a couple different things just in case. But one of the things I packed was uh, this Marvel book, this big hardcover. It's like probably, you know, a foot or more tall and pretty thick. And uh, it basically tells the history of Marvel Comics up to that point, which I think the book was published uh, when I was nine or ten years old. It was like 1991, uh, partially written by Stan Lee. And so I'm like, "Ah, well, if it's Stan Lee and I'm going to meet him and I'm going to get his autograph, then this is probably the best thing I own uh, in that sense. So sure enough, that day he comes to pick me up and uh, we hit I-95 South. And I'm like, going to Baltimore, ain't we? It's like, yep. He's like, we're going to meet Stan Lee, ain't we? He's like, yep. And, uh, you know, his his memory of this may be a little different, but uh, it's basically I had never in my life even thought that for as much of a comic book slash movie slash pop culture fan that I was, I had never – the thought never crossed my mind to, to go to a Comic-Con or anything like that. It's just like, eh, eh, probably not for me, whatever, for whatever made me think that. But uh, here I was kind of not unwillingly, but kind of unwittingly uh, just along for the ride. And sure enough, we arrive in Baltimore, park the car, get out, walk into the convention center. And I just had a whole new world in front of me from that point on. <laughs> that was kind of a long rant. I'm sorry. No, 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 because it's, I mean, that that also answered, of course, the the uh, the next question, which was how old were you? So a little past 30 or, you know, just just 30. Um, but I'm wondering, again, I'm going kind of off script here, but I'm wondering if you felt, especially with how much I know you now, you are a gigantic anti-spoiler guy. So the fact that you said that you couldn't wait for the surprise and you're Googling and you're, you know, trying to piece it together and whatever is very surprising to me because the Kevin that I know, as much as you may not like the anticipation, would not necessarily be the one to be like, I need to know the answers. I'm going to I'm going to look into this uh, a little more and whatever. So that was kind of the, the surprising thing. Looking back. And, you know, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. but it, what did it, I don't want to say ruin the experience, but would it have been better perhaps if you didn't like look into it and you would have just let it play out? Um, probably, but the, the thing was, is that 
he was telling me things I needed to be prepared for. Like I was going to meet people. I needed to bring something for them to sign. So he kind of had to give me clues and I kind of had to figure it out because another part of that show, um, Jim Starlin was also there. Okay. Now Jim Starlin uh, created Thanos who, uh, People closest to me and maybe even longtime listeners may know I'm a huge Thanos fan well before the movies. He wrote the Infinity Gauntlet comics. He made a guest appearance or a cameo appearance rather in Endgame uh, as one of the people in therapy with Captain America. Uh, he, we really owe more to Jim Starlin than many people realize. OK, he was there as well. Just set up at a table, like no, no like special VIP line like Stan Lee had or anything. But Jim Starlin was there as well. And had I known where I was going and who was going to be there and that he was going to be there, I would have brought my original Infinity Gauntlet comics for him to sign or comic for him to sign. Uh, and I was disappointed once I realized I was standing in front of him and I didn't have my comic for him to sign which is what exactly what I would have really wanted if I was prepared. So you're right in saying that I hate having things spoiled for me and it would have been great to just go there and been surprised. But there's also the matter of preparation, like want, needing to know where I'm going so I can be prepared for what I have to do when I get there. No, I, I, I totally get it. I, this is something actually, so like you said, I, I know Ellsworth now. He and I are friends and, and he and I kind of talked about we didn't talk about this, but we did talk about sort of the concept of um, giving gifts to people and surprising people and things like that. And how I said, I am not that big of a fan of surprises because I don't react that well. Um, <laughs> I, I don't, you know, like when the last time you and I saw each other back in December, you gave me a book. And it was, uh, you know, a great gift and, and I wasn't expecting it, but I was just like, oh, thanks. Probably. I mean, I, I don't remember exactly, but I was probably just like that. And it wasn't, it may not have been the reaction that you were expecting by giving me, you know, this, this book and whatever. And I'm just not necessarily good at that, but I am the person who I want to surprise people. I want to do like a big gesture where I, you know, do this like elaborate thing. Um, I'm pretty sure I told the story on the show before. I, I'm, I'm sure you know it. Um, the last time I went to New York City was with my ex and I wouldn't tell her what was going on or whatever, but I, I had to let her know, hey, we're going somewhere, but you're not, you know, you can't know where and whatever. She had, you know, she has kids like she was just like, how far away am I going to have to be like all this other stuff? I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, you're going to leave your vehicle behind and trying to walk that line is very difficult <laughs> between wanting to surprise someone and wanting to, like you said, prepare them for what the surprise is going to be without actually telling them. Yeah. And uh, to that point. I've tried to do something similar to this before. I think um, it may have been exactly five years prior. Let me try and do some math here. Uh, a little before that, actually. Um, probably, I want to say 2006. I organized a party bus. 
the mid 2000s like this was kind of the thing you did you, you get a bunch of friends together and you get a party bus and you hop on it and you go to wherever your destination is so i had this party bus for eight hours and you obviously want to and it, this thing is uh, huge like full-size bus and it's got hardwood floors leather seats stripper poles uh, big TVs, big sound system. So you want to get, you know, maximum use out of this thing while while you in the time you have it. So I had just told my 20 plus friends that were getting on this bus with me, yeah, we're just going to take a ride down to Atlantic City, which at the time was a half hour drive away. Um, so everybody hops on the bus, bus gets on the road, and I've already talked to the driver about this, and I say, hey guys. I'm calling an audible. Uh, we're not going to Atlantic City. This bus is going to drive down to Baltimore. Now, Baltimore is about a two-hour ride. Um, so you now have two hours. In the eight hours you have the bus, you have two hours on the bus there, two hours on the bus back, and that and that four hours in between, we could just hang out and party in Baltimore. Coincidentally, just happens to be, again, Baltimore. Um, this did not go over well with a select few people on the bus and now keep in mind we're already in motion they're like i had other people coming to meet me in atlantic city what are you doing you're kidnapping us <laughs> <laughs> and uh I, I did not think i was going to get that kind of reaction um i just thought everybody was going to be having a great time and enjoying themselves and eventually that's what happened uh but there for a while it was a little um it got a little hectic with a certain group of people uh, who had zero interest in hopping on that party bus for that amount of time and uh, going so far away. So that's a long way of saying I can relate to wanting to surprise people and thinking it's going to be all good, but them being like, eh, I don't think so. I need to know what I'm doing. Right. So you've yeah. So you've been on both sides of it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, so, okay, you know, large group of people, and, and you said the first con you went to was you and Ellsworth. That brings us to the next question, which is, do you prefer to go, because I know since then you've been to quite a few cons, do you prefer to go with a group of people or just, like, one or two others? And by group, I mean probably, you know, five or more, or do you like to go just like you and maybe one or two other people, or even just by yourself? Uh, I have gone by myself. I'm completely fine with that. I have no problem going anywhere on my own. Um, however, it always is more fun if you have someone there to enjoy it with you, uh, someone you know and, and love and has shared interest with. Um, however, I have also done the, you know, five plus people trying to go to a con together, and that doesn't always work, if I'm being honest. Like, in... in <sighs> Some people uh, might not know what they're doing and they just want to follow you around. But then if they're not that interested in what you're doing, um, that, you know, people can get miserable sometimes. Uh, I, I've had that happen. And I try to explain and be like, look, there's so much more you could be doing. Like, you don't need to, you know, latch on to everything I'm doing. Like, there may be something else you love, like, go out and explore. And some people are, are unwilling to do that. They don't want to go out on their own. They need to be there with someone, which I understand, but that's not me. Uh, so basically, uh, 
I like to go with one or two other people who are experienced and know what to expect uh, because I've, I've had it happen where I introduce someone to a con for the first time and they're just – it's not their thing. And they're not interested at all. And then like you want to hang around all day and they're ready to leave after an hour and that's, that's not going to work very well. Right. I know, um, not con wise, but just vacation wise, we've kind of experienced that with Hawaii where, you know, you're going and, and when you've gone, you know, you have the, the select people that you're like renting an Airbnb with, like Jake and I have gone together. And even when we went to LA, there was a whole day where Jake and his now fiance went off and I had to kind of do my own thing, which was fine. I had other friends and whatever, but it's that there's those other times where it's like, Oh, you know, you're going to be doing everything together, you know? And I would assume it's the same way with a con where you have things you want to do. Not that you don't mind somebody tagging along, but like you said, if, if it's not what they want to do, it's known like they like they make it known where they're just like they're like, oh, you know, I don't want to stand in line to do this or, or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And yeah, especially when it's, uh, you know, and this goes back to what I was saying about planning. These things now last three or four days. And, you know, sometimes you go multiple days, sometimes you only go one day. But if you only go one day, you want to pick the day that's going to be good for you. And uh, there are multiple uh, panels and, and events and, and different things going on all at the same time. And it's like, you need to pick what's right for you and I'll do what's right for me. As long as you go into it with that mutual understanding, then you'll be all good. See, my issue is, again, I, I can only really compare it to a vacation and I understand it's not the same thing, but like you said, you've gone by yourself. You have no problem doing that. And I, I read a thing recently where it was like, um, if you want to go somewhere and no one, you know, wants to go, go there and, you know, you'll, you'll end up finding people that have mutual interests because, you know, you're going to the city, like a, like a Renaissance fair or something like that. And that's how I went to Hawaii. I didn't know anybody there. I had had a few Twitter interactions with our friend Andrew, but that was pretty much it. Like I didn't know anybody. And, you know, obviously we all quickly became friends, but then like, I keep looking going, oh man, I'd love to go to Atlantic City or something because it's not that far from where I live. And I know in theory I could, you know, hit you up and be like, hey, I'm thinking of going to Atlantic City this day. I know you are not that big on going to Atlantic City, but you would probably say, hey, you know what, I'll go, we'll meet up, we'll have dinner or whatever. But if you couldn't and I was still going to go, that's not exactly the same to be like finding somebody who has mutual interests because I'm not necessarily going for a particular reason, you know? So I feel like going to a con, like you have to, like you said, you have to know what you're going to be doing. But I feel like if say you, like say I was part of the group that was going, I would not, cause I have so many interests and I'm, I'm curious if this has ever happened to you. It ha I would assume it has to where you have so many interests and, and things may clash that you feel like you want to see all of it, but you know, you can't, do you know what I mean? Like, has that, that's not actually one of my questions, I don't think, but has <laughs> that ever happened to you? Like, does that, does that way, like, how do you decide what you want to see versus what you need to see? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it just, um, 
probably I think it was the most recent con I've been to or big con at least uh, last year in New York. Um, he had an issue where uh, I believe it was my friend Jeff had won uh, a raffle or something and had to be at a at a certain place at a certain time, but that same time is when he had already pre-purchased uh an autograph and a meet and greet with uh tom hiddleston loki right that's him yeah yeah uh so we actually we had to kind of divvy it up between the group It it was me me jeff and sheree and uh i i was going with jeff and it was so des sheree was kind of designated like well this is your meet and greet now like, and his autograph on, you know, it was Jeff's Funko Pop that Cherie was getting signed, but she was going to be the one actually physically waiting in line and, and getting to meet him because he had to be elsewhere. So, yeah, there, there are always little conflicts that, that pop up, even ones that are unexpected like that. Like, like, you don't know. You might have to be somewhere else at a certain time. It's just not going to work. Well, that's why. And I mean, as much as I, because I've never, like, I've never been to one. I, I would like to, but like I said, I feel like, um, I would much rather, uh, and I, I don't even know if they do it anymore. I know years back, um, I don't even think the channel exists anymore. G4, the old video game channel. I don't even mm-hmm. know if that channel exists anymore, but I know they used to do like comic con, the San Diego, excuse me, the San Diego comic con, like they would do coverage and stuff. And, but now everybody does comic con or, all the company like Disney doesn't really go to Comic-Con that much because they have D23 and all that stuff. You know, everybody has like their own things. But back then they would do like, they would let you see a sneak peek of a panel or whatever, or you would have to like watch like a pirated YouTube video or whatever. But then you have, and I feel like it wouldn't be an episode with somebody who's been on Wrestling Renegades if I didn't bring up wrestling somehow, some way. Um (laughs) Conrad Thompson with the StarCast events where you buy it on fight and you can straight up watch the panels, you know, and like you can, you know, even if you were there and you didn't get to see panel A, you were at panel B, you can go back and still watch panel A on demand. Like, I feel like that would be more my style because, and it's a, it's a joke I've always said with like our friend, uh, Mike, the photographer, and, and even you with regards to your travels and stuff, I don't like leaving my house. Obviously I would, you know, I do, and I would for certain things, but my joke would always be, you can go to the comic con. I'll just like watch it on TV or whatever. But I feel like something like that, where you can just watch each panel sort of at your leisure would be more for me. Cause I would feel that way of, well, which do I want to go to? Do I want to go to this one or that one? Cause they both have something that I want. Yeah, and that's in 2020. That's kind of what we've got here. Um, San Diego, I believe, did something very similar to that. That's what you're describing is basically what New York did. And a lot of those, I mean, they weren't live; they were pre-taped. You know, sometimes in some cases weeks prior to the actual dates of the event, but they just set it at a time, and it was like, all right, at you know noon on Friday. We're going to be releasing this panel and, you know, you can watch it, quote unquote, live and then it'll be on their YouTube page after that. Um, That really didn't work for me. (laughs) Like, I really wasn't uh, uh, all that interested in in any of that. It's the part of of being there 
is is what's interesting to me. Like I'll go and see the impractical the impractical jokers panel in person uh every time if i can you know if i can get in you know if the line isn't ridiculous um if i don't have anything else way more important but if you put that same hour-long panel on a youtube video the odds of me ever sitting down in my home to watch it not great well so with the the like what, like when you said the New York Comic Con, they kind of streamed it or whatever. Did they do fan interaction? Because I know, um, I think it was like the final season of Lost panel at Comic Con. You know, they because they always have the thing where they have like the line or two lines where people can ask questions and they're constantly going back and forth or whatever. And so, again, I think it was the, but uh, right before the final season of Lost and like the first question was from two of the actors on the show like they were asking Damon and Carlton something so like that's not necessarily something that you could get as the same experience even a even a fan question because if somebody asks something you know and and everybody loves it everybody cheers or if some if they don't like it like everybody boos and I feel like that's not the same thing that you would get from basically a zoom equivalent uh, which, I, from what I understand, is what most of the cons did um, with regards to things this year because of lockdown and everything. So, I'm um, like, if if they put one of the one of the panels that you've been to for the Impractical Jokers, if they put that up, is that the same? Like, would you watch that, or did you do you just not want to watch one where it's just like them and a camera, no live audience? Uh, I mean. Either way, like the odds of me just sitting down to watch something that I'm mildly interested in, not great. Like, for instance, uh, they did probably close to 100 Zoom panels for New York Comic Con this year and then put them up on their YouTube page at various times throughout the week. And the only one I watched was the Lost one because I am such a huge fan of Lost. Uh, It always comes back to that. Uh, and it was uh, Josh Horowitz interviewing Damon and Carlton, uh, but it had been taped weeks prior. And he asked uh, on his Twitter account uh, to you know use this hashtag for any questions you would like to ask Damon and Carlton. And, and he asked some of those. But as far as actual live engagement, there may have been some panels that were like that. But the the one I watched, you know, he asked for questions on Twitter, and it was taped weeks in advance. So that really just takes away from the whole experience for me and, and and it's understandable you know what else are you going to do right right now but um it, for me it's like it's just a, a substitute you know it's it's, it's a band-aid um well until, that was you know, even the even the lost con this year that's how those panels were like we were there was one or two where we were watching it live but we weren't allowed to or not we weren't allowed but we weren't able to type in a question or anything like that because of the way that i guess zoom works where we were um just monitoring just the audience for the thing versus when we watched the or after we watched the finale where when even when we watched the finale we could all be typing things to each other or whatever but then when we were done 
we were all there and interacting with each other. And, and I know you were in that call, but you weren't necessarily asking any questions um, versus... Which is, kind of, which is kind of my MO. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't think I've ever asked a question at a panel. Just because if I had something to ask, I would. It's, it's not, don't take it as shyness or anything like that. Uh, I just kind of enjoy witnessing the interaction and being a, a part of the crowd. But yeah. Uh, well, that's, and that's what I'm, I'm not, saying not, is I, like, I would, I would much rather watch, um, like even, even, you know, like you and I are both fans of, of Kevin Smith. I like watching the Q and a DVDs that he's put out and he interacts with the audience. The audience interacts with each other. But if he was just there, doing like a zoom thing where he's just like, so I'm going to read these questions that I got off of Twitter. I probably wouldn't be as interested in that because he, there's he no, does do that now. <laughs> but that's, but like, you know what I mean? Like I would not necessarily watch that because that that's yeah, not the same interaction as an audience. Even if I'm not there, you know what I mean? It's to me, it's, it's no different than, you know, because that would be like saying, oh, I, I, I can't necessarily watch wrestling because I'm not there. I'm still an audience member. I'm still reacting like an audience member. And I understand and because I've been to like live wrestling. Being there in person is much different than watching at home. But I I enjoy both. Whereas whatever's going on now, I've only caught brief glimpses. I'm not a fan because there's like nothing like no, I mean, I know they have the screens and whatever, but it's still not the same as actual live audience reaction, in my opinion. Yeah, and <laughs> it's funny you mentioned Kevin Smith. I've seen Kevin Smith not just at conventions. Sure, I've seen him at conventions, but I've seen him at his own uh, special events and, and Q and A's and stuff like that. And I, I've, I, I've been from here to my laptop away from him. Uh, several times, but I still wouldn't say I've ever met him because I've never actually like had a conversation, you know, it might've been like a head nod or a, Hey, you know, something like that. Um, but I've never gotten up at one of those events to ask a question for as many as I've been to literally, I've lost count. There are three things in my life that I, I've lost count of. Uh, it's wrestling events I've been to, uh, Kevin Smith events slash Q and A's slash whatever, and Roots concerts. I can't remember how many times I've seen the Roots now. So whenever the, one of those things comes around, normally I'm going to be in the crowd, but I don't necessarily uh, engage that much. Huh. That's I, that's really surprising to me with regards to the Kevin Smith thing, because I know that you are such a fan that especially if you were that close that, you know, you wouldn't have, like initiated a conversation or something or even that he wouldn't initiate a conversation with you if he was that close. Cause he always seems the <laughs> kind of guy to be like, Hey man, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, sure. And, and that's what he does. I mean, obviously I'm not the only person, uh, w within that distance at when those, uh, those times when it has happened. Um, but he's, he's the kind of guy, uh, that, he's going to talk and he's going to give you a lot of details and he makes himself very available, you know, be it through podcasts or Twitter or all the events that he holds or used to hold. Uh, so I just, if there was something that I really wanted to ask him, I would have asked it, but 
just sitting there and listening to him talk, he's I know he's going to answer anything that I could even think of asking and more. There's only one question that I've that I and I asked him on Twitter once and he liked my tweet but never replied to it. And now obviously you can't do the thing that I wanted to ask about, but years and years back, maybe he did answer it at some point, because as you know, as a I kind of dropped off a bit. Not that I, not that I didn't like watch his movies or whatever, but just in terms of like listening to all the content he put out, like I kind of dropped off of listening to it. I'm slowly attempting to catch back up. I don't think I ever will though. Cause I'm like a decade behind. Um, but the one thing I, I've always wanted to ask him is why didn't him and John Gordon ever do the Harvey Boys podcast where they talked about all sorts of old Miramax stories? That was one mm-hmm. that they were going to do. I, I remember him saying it at one point that they because they, you know, they named the company for Red State, the Harvey Boys and whatever in, in tribute to the fact that they both worked at, at Miramax, or whatever. And obviously now with everything with Harvey Weinstein, you can't do that show. <laughs> like, I get it. I'm not asking for the show. I'm just asking for <laughs> why, you know, five years ago or a decade ago when they originally talked about it, they never ended up going through with it completely different than, you know, why don't they do it now? Cause for very obvious reasons, yeah. but uh, maybe the, he knew, maybe he knew Harvey's time was up and that's your answer. I mean, maybe a decade ago though. Shame. If he knew shame on yeah. him for not saying anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean that there was that backlash. Against guys like him, him and Quentin Tarantino and stuff, and like apparently a lot of people knew how Harvey was and kind of just gave him a pass. Yeah. Well, I, from he, what I read, he said he didn't, and I guess he said he was going to use money from future earnings from those things to go to like women's organizations, and then he came right. out later and was like, "I don't make that much off of those, so I'm just going to make a big donation now." Yeah, I don't know. Going back to the original con topic, um, is so you said you traveled to Baltimore, and so I guess technically I would assume Hawaii is the the answer to this question. But barring that, what is the farthest you've ever traveled to attend a con? Uh, I mean, Hawaii is the answer, obviously, as you said. Um, other than that, I've kept it pretty local. I think I only have been back to Baltimore once uh, since that first con I ever went to. And aside from that, it's been all within like my own uh, Bermuda Triangle of Atlantic City, Philly, and New York City. The tri-state area. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So you, again, you've been to, to quite a few What's the best panel that you've ever attended? Um, <laughs> that Stan Lee panel, like, because the, the whole thing that, that Ellsworth got me wasn't just a, an autograph. It was a whole VIP experience. So it was, you know, you stay in line one time and you sign something for you. You stay in line another time, you take a picture. Stay in line another time, you get a VIP seating at his panel. And I got to tell you, I had already met him now or interacted with him twice prior in the day. And and the man was, you know, 80 some years old at the time, uh, just looked, you know, if I'm being honest, he looked pretty beat down. Like he, he 
he signed his name, but didn't really look up. You know, he took a picture, gave us a little smile, but otherwise was just kind of hunched over in his seat. So I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know about this Stan Lee panel that we're going to. This, this could be rough. But let me tell you, when it was time to get up in front of a group of people, that must have, I mean, you hear it all the time from, you know, performers and, and wrestlers and st- stuff like that. Like when you get up in front of people and feel that rush of the applause and then cheering you on, that must have given him everything he needed uh, because he was on point. He seemed sharp as a tack. He was uh, reciting lines and quoting stuff from 50 years prior Um so that just just the surprise of of him being that good in front of a crowd, um, and and maybe I'm biased because it was my my first time and my only time actually meeting him, um, but yeah, I, I would have to say that was it because I wasn't expecting much after the two interactions earlier in the day and, and just seeing him, you know, almost downtrodden really, and, and Ellsworth will back me up on this. Uh, and then for him to get up there and just be so on point, uh, that was just sheer delight for 30-year-old Kev. So the next question you already answered, which was, did you get to ask a question? And obviously you said you've never, you've never asked a question uh, at a panel. But I, I kind of want to pivot to a different question, which is, and I don't think it's on my list here, uh, would you rather, because like you said, you, you, you saw the guy who created Thanos. I'm, I would assume you probably talked to him, maybe got him to sign something different, even though you didn't have the specific thing you would have wanted him to sign. Would you? Yeah, rather- I actually went and bought something uh, in Baltimore. I went looking. Like, I didn't want to buy, you know, just another copy of a comic I already had and say, hey, here, sign this. So I was looking for something Thanos or Infinity Gauntlet related. And keep in mind, this is 2012. This is before this is even a thought of being put into a movie. Well, maybe not a thought, maybe. But um, uh, definitely not as uh, in ingrained in pop culture as it is now. So it was kind of difficult to find something, but I ended up finding a dual-pack uh, Thanos-Adam Warlock action figure set that came with an Infinity Gauntlet comic book. And uh, Jim Starlin also created Adam Warlock. So that was kind of what I picked. And when I came up to him, I was like, hey, Mr. Starlin, would you mind signing this? And he he looked at me. He's like, really? An action figure? I was like, "Ah, I know. I know. (laughs) Uh, Had I known you were going to be here, sir, I would have brought my Infinity Gauntlet number one that I bought when it was released. But I didn't. So here we are. I'm I'm kind of surprised you didn't just have him sign the same thing that Stan Lee signed, like the same book. Like I got, um, I have several of the the lost people that I've like briefly interacted with sign the same lost book over and over again. So I'm surprised you wouldn't have the two signatures in the same book. Well, for me being such a Thanos slash Infinity Gauntlet fanboy, as I've mentioned probably way too many times uh, on these podcasts. Um, I, I really wanted something that was, uh, you know, Thanos and or Infinity Gauntlet specific, considering that was what he was known for. That was what he did and what he was really known for. Gotcha. Uh, but the question I want to ask is, would you rather 
go to a panel, like like uh, whether it's um, either a one-on-one sort of thing or if it's just Stan Lee ask you know up on stage or like even like we said like a Kevin Smith where it's pretty much just him, or would you rather go to like a small booth sort of thing? Or, or, you know, something else at a con? Like, would, like, which do you prefer? Do you prefer, like, a big room or, like, a more intimate thing? Or even just, like, standing in line and getting a picture with somebody or getting an autograph? Like, which, which of the aspects do you prefer? Um, I'm not a big picture and autograph guy. But there are certain things which I would love to have autographed and, you know, are kind of, like, on, you know, it's kind of a bucket list thing like i have certain objects that i own and have owned for a long time that i'd like to have signed so if that certain person is doing the signing then yes i'm going to that however uh for the most part i would prefer the big uh feel of the panel the 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 crowd engagement like i said you know this goes back to what i said about stan when i'm when i was there with him one-on-one you know it wasn't great um you, you never know what you're going to get when, when it comes to things like that. But you know that if you put them in front of cameras and a large group of people, that they're going to be more, you know, um, willing and, and forthcoming and, and wanting to please the crowd, for lack of a better term. So to, to be there live in person for that, uh, yeah, um, that's that would be my preference. Due, due to some of the negative interactions i've had when it got down to one-on-one and that's especially sometimes the the interactions are not great after waiting in line for an hour or two which is even more of a kick in the balls right so with that i can describe one of those if you'd like i mean please feel free i i the only the next question i was going to have was uh what's the worst panel you attended i don't know if that's going to coincide with your story but i would love to hear whatever story you were going to tell. And then the answer to my question. <laughs> um, I'm not sure I have a worst panel. Like if a panel's not working for me, like if I'm like, eh, this kind of sucks, I, I would just leave. Uh, you know, it's, it's not, I'm not going to force myself to sit there when I could be out doing something else. Um, probably the worst interaction for me was, uh, <laughs> and, and this is going to surprise you. Uh, Mick Foley. Wow, that does surprise me. <laughs> yeah, it surprised me because, I mean, going back to um, MySpace days. I don't know if you ever had a MySpace profile. Oh yeah, so did clock shelves actually. <laughs> oh wow. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, MySpace. I believe one of the categories when you were filling out information about yourself was uh, one of the wanted to fill out or in one of the categories that MySpace had to fill out in your profile was heroes. And for a long time, I included Mick Foley as one of my heroes. Cause uh, I just admired him so much for, wait, I'm where- sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I have the feeling I know where this story is going to go and it's, and I don't, you know what? I don't want to spoil it. So no, go ahead, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Tell your story. I don't know if you predict this, but you know, this is just a a roundabout way of saying like, uh, the guy meant a lot to me and, and for the most part still does. But, uh, I knew he was going to be there, uh, at New York comic con, but the way they had made it sound, 
when they were promoting it was he has this new comic book coming out. Uh, I believe the, the they had a couple different versions of the comic, like different covers uh, featuring uh, superstars of the time. And uh, well, I, I remember one was Kane, one was CM Punk. Uh, probably John Cena was one of them. Um, and they made it sound like he wasn't going to sign anything else but something related to that. Now, keep in mind, I, I, Mick Foley was one of the first wrestlers to come out with a book, like an actual biography, uh, an uh, autobiography, actually. Um, became a New York Times bestseller. It was a whole big thing he wrote. It's a fantastic book. If anybody yeah. hasn't read it, even if you're not a wrestling fan, it's a fantastic book. Yes, absolutely. Have a Nice Day by Mick Foley. Um, and he's done several uh, subsequent books after that, uh, continuing his story. And I'm like, if I'm going to meet Mick Foley, I really want him to sign this book. But the way they promoted it was uh, he's um, not going to sign anything other than the, something related to this comic book. So I was like, all right, uh, I guess, whatever. So then you, 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 the other thing you need to consider when it comes to planning for a con is you don't want to overpack because you're going to spend a lot of time on your feet, a lot of time walking around, uh, and you don't want to be carrying around this huge backpack. You know what I mean? I always have a backpack, but I try and keep it as light as possible. So if I can get away from putting a big hardcover book in my bag, I'm going to. It's like, all right, I'm not going to be able to get this signed, so I'll put it aside. So I go and I stand in line. I wait in line probably a little over an hour uh, to meet Mick Foley. And I know that I can get his autograph, but only on this comic book that he's promoting at the time. And I see other people in line with their books and they're getting them signed. So that's pissing me off right off the bat. But I still think I'm fairly, you know, happy to be there and happy to be meeting the man. And uh, the guy in front of me has, now he's a, a grown man. He's probably in his forties and he's got a kid with him, probably about 10 years old. And uh, I, I watch as this guy and his kid go up and meet Mick and Mick just looks so happy. He's talking to the kid. He's talking to the guy. He's talking to the guy like he knows him. Actually, the guy tells him, Oh, I used to write for such and such magazine. And Mick's like, Oh yeah. You know, and then they're go back, going, going back and forth. And uh, guys talk to him and the guy says, all right, Mick, you know, you know, thanks. And I walk up and his demeanor immediately switches. Like I look like I'm talking to bad guy Cactus Jack now. Hmm. And I'm like, whoa, like he just like this is not what I expected. And like he kind of took the the, the comic out of my hand, kind of scribbled his name on it. And I'm like, uh, hey, Mick, you know, big fan, you know. And uh, he, he kind of groaned at me. And I was like, uh, you think I can get a picture? And Cherie was standing next to me and, you know, had my phone ready to take a picture. And he's like, yeah, I guess. And I could send you the picture. Like, he's he's kind of like half smiling. And I give the thumbs up. So he, he, he goes and gives the thumbs up. But it is, it is not good as the picture is. It, it was even more half-hearted in person. So... <laughs> Again, another uh, long roundabout way of saying uh, just go to the panels. And if if you can, uh, this is probably where you thought it was going. Avoid meeting your heroes. 
That's actually not. I, so I wonder one if he did that because you had the comic and maybe he didn't want to do it. Yeah, that's why I prefaced the whole story with I. I've read all of this guy's books. I really wanted to get the book signed, not just like this promotional throwaway comic that I don't give a shit about. He probably doesn't give a shit about, you know? Yeah. So, and then I just kind of plop it in front of him like, Hey, uh, and then you're just like, I'm a big fan. And he's, and in his mind, he's probably like, if you were, you would have something better than this to get signed. (laughs) My exactly my point. (laughs) Well, I I remember there was, there was a rumor and I don't know how true this is. And I think I might've talked with, with Bill about this. Um, but there was a rumor that Evangeline Lilly was doing something similar at some cons, I think over in Europe, uh, maybe even here in, in North America as well, where she would, the, the, the word was that she would only be signing things related to the, was it a children's book she wrote? Squicker wonkers. Yes. Um, I've done this as well, but then people still took lost related stuff and she signed it anyway. Yeah, I, I, I've done this. <laughs> uh, I purchased the, it was, whatever it was, over $100. Um, and I think that the stipulation was, like, you're paying for the meet and greet, which includes a Squicker Wonkers signed book. So, but if you want something else autographed, you have to pay more. Okay. So me having my lost memorabilia uh, willingly paid more. To get and and she's she's appearing there with the illustrator of her children's book as well. Like she wrote it, he drew it, so he's kind of just sitting there awkwardly <laughs> signing because uh, nobody knows who he is and nobody honestly nobody's really paying to see him. Um, so they they hand me the book when I present my ticket for the meet and greet. Uh, I bring the book up, she signs the book, he signs the book, and I'm like, now here for my bonus material is uh this dharma shoe would you mind signing the shoe for me ms lily um she was a little thrown off by that but um no actually where i (laughs) here's where my brain goes where i thought the story was gonna go i thought you were gonna be like and so you know i went home and i i sadly had to unclick mick foley from my myspace page (laughs) as i and I'm just there going, you'll see now, Mick Foley, despite the fact that he would never even know. <laughs> um, I think MySpace was long gone by that point. I'm talking, you know, MySpace was, you know, 2005-ish, and this was 2000, probably 13, 14, something along those lines. <laughs> but that's when you when you brought up MySpace and you were like, he was one, you know, listed him as one of my heroes. And then I got to meet him and it wasn't great. I thought it was going to be like you, like I said, you unclicking it and be like, this will show him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really just wanted to illustrate that, that, you know, this is how much I loved and admired this man. And then for him to meet him and have it be such a letdown was, uh, yeah, very disappointing. Gotcha. Um... So, I mean, I know you said you tend to go to the to the the tri-state area. The one one of the questions I have here is which con have you attended the most frequently? Um, I would assume it's probably the New York Comic Con or even the Philly Comic Con would probably be top. Uh, there have been multiple different Comic Cons in Philly. Uh, they have Wizard World. They have Keystone Comic Con. I think there may have been other independent ones. Uh, so it, geographically, I've probably been to Philly more. 
uh, especially being as I, I'm more likely because Philly is so close, I'm more likely to go multiple days to Philly. Like for my first few years going to New York, I would just take a one day trip, go up, come, come home, uh, with Philly. If I can go all three or four days, typically I will. Um, so I've, I've been to Philly more, but, uh, as far as like, if you were to match up wizard world versus Keystone comic-con versus Baltimore comic-con versus New York comic-con, um, I'm pretty sure I've been to New York every year except one, uh, I know Bill said the same thing uh, since 2012. No, 2013 was my first New York Comic Con. So from between 2013 uh, and 2019, I missed it once, and that was only because all of us were in Hawaii in 2017. There you go. And I mean, if there, if you were going to miss it, I mean, that's exactly. the reason. <laughs> yes. Do I wish uh, certain friend of ours had scheduled it for a different weekend, maybe one weekend before or after. Yes, I would have very much appreciated that, but whatever. Uh, the next question I have is, what was your biggest fanboy moment at a con? <laughs> um, man. I, I, I really want to get away from the Stan Lee story because we keep going back to it. It was my first con and I've had, you know, many, many experiences since. Um, no, actually. Uh, so I, again, I have to preface this little backstory. Uh, my very first New York comic con really didn't know what I was doing. Didn't know who was going to be there, what was going on. Didn't do any, uh, preparation, uh, girl I was dating at the time. She really wanted to go. And I was like, okay, whatever, let's go. Uh, I still wasn't fully on board in full, you know, Comic-Con geek mode at that point. So I go and I'm just kind of browsing around and I go to, down to the autograph area and I was like, let me see who's here. You know, and it wasn't anybody who really interested me that much. But I walk by and I see Christopher Lloyd and uh, I assume you know who he is. Oh, yeah. Of course. Um, so I see Chris Wood and I'm like, you know what? I grew up on Back to the Future movies. You know, I probably watched those movies more than anything growing up as a kid. Same. Uh, yeah. And uh, so I was like, it would be pretty cool to meet him and, and get an autograph. So I take my ass up to the show floor because I had seen uh, in among the exhibitors were people selling a movie posters, full-size movie posters. And I find one, uh, I find Back to the Future, but I didn't realize uh, Doc is not on the original Back to the Future movie poster. It's just Marty in yeah. hopping out of the DeLorean. Yep. Uh, however, uh, part two, which yep. was always my favorite anyway, yep. has, <laughs> has Marty and Doc. So I was like, all right, sir, I would like this full-size Back to the Future part two movie poster um so i go down and i pay my money uh, i think it's the last of the cash i had at the time uh to the guy taking the the tickets for christopher lloyd and i go and i meet christopher lloyd and he's very nice uh a little stern but nice if that makes sense um and uh, I kind of like put my hand up for him to shake. And it seemed like for he hesitated for a minute, like, eh, I don't know if I really want to do the shake hands thing. But then he did and kind of gave me a smile and a nod. And I was like, all right, that's cool. So now I have this Back to the Future Part 2 poster signed 
just by Christopher Lloyd. And I said to myself, man, it would be awesome if I could ever get Michael J. Fox to sign this, but he does not do con appearances. Uh, you know, he probably, because of his condition and whatnot, doesn't do autographs, even if he were to make an appearance somewhere. So I'm just going to tuck this thing away and forget about it. Years go by. I believe it was 2016. Uh, Wizard World Philadelphia pops up and somehow, some way, they have the biggest lineup of celebrity guests that I've ever seen at a con ever. And uh, they had many, many of the Marvel stars, including, you know, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston, uh, uh, Anthony Mackie, I remember was there. Just a whole bunch of people from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And Michael J. Fox. And I said... I don't care what it costs. I am getting the Michael J. Fox VIP package and I am going to get him to sign this poster. Cause it's again, that poster for me was one of those bucket list items that I was talking about earlier that I never thought I'd really be able to accomplish. So I, that con to me was all about getting to meet Michael J. Fox. I, I had my picture taken with him. Uh, I find I had him sign that same poster that Christopher Lloyd signed. I got to say a couple words to him, and he was very nice. Um, it was hectic because there were so many other people there, and they were trying to rush people in and out. But still, I'd, I'd do it again in a heartbeat, and it was it was really very special to me because it was something I never thought I was going to be able to, and I don't think he's done in a, a con since. So for him to pop up not just he you know he didn't pop up in in new york or london or la for him to just show up randomly in philly which is a half hour from my front door <laughs> it, it couldn't have worked out any any more perfect for me do not mistake coincidence for fate <laughs> yeah um so by the way back to the future two was always my favorite growing up as well. Now, if I had to pick, I like three more. Um, oh, but that's a hot take. Two was was always my favorite when I was growing up, and I mean, probably up until about maybe ten years ago, I would have said two, and then the last few years, I, I've started to like three a little bit more. You're just a sucker for Doc Brown and Clara, ain't you? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, it's the old West, like you know. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm still. I'm still ranking part three, third, and honestly, uh, the original may have taken my my favorites. I don't know. Maybe I got to go back and watch. It, yeah. it can. It can. You know, it, it's interchangeable, really. See, and that's the thing is like because I think of them as one thing. You know what I yeah. mean? Like because I didn't get to watch them until years after. I mean, I wasn't born when they were out even um you know i think the i think part three came out in in the year i was born which obviously would have been before me because i was born towards the end of the year so i watched them years later so to me they've pretty much always been one thing and whenever i watch them even if it's like a day or whatever in between i still watch them like together you know what i mean yeah and and they were one of those trilogies that was always meant to be a trilogy you know they were it's kind of like uh 
Lord of the Rings in, in a way. Like you always knew there were, there were going to be three movies. You know, they told you at the end of part two, part one and part two, like to be concluded. Yeah. Um, so my next question is, do most cons give away some sort of gift bag or, or swag bag to attendees? And if so, what would be the best and worst things you've ever gotten in such a bag? <laughs> um, I don't think I've gotten much for free, to be honest with you. Um, you know, so sometimes you'll just be out on the show floor and, and people will hand you like, hey, free comic, hey, free comic, you know, hey, hey take our magazine, you know, and you get something like that. And it's usually not uh, something that, that's, you know, really worth your time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the only time I've really gotten a swag bag is when I did that Michael J. Fox VIP package. And uh, I think it just got like an 8 by 10 you know, and, and that wasn't even what I had him sign so really so it's more it's more certain booths or whatever will give you something not necessarily the con itself yeah yeah for the most part gotcha a lot of places like you don't even uh new york does the badges and and at least that's something you get to have as a little uh keepsake um but i think almost every other one you know if anything you'll get a wristband you know, if you get a three-day pass, they'll give you the, the, the plastic wristband that, that can't be – it's not supposed to be tampered with, you know? Right. And that's it. That's your ticket. You know, and they don't – they're not handing you anything else. Like, take a program if you want. That's it. So you mentioned um, buying the Back to the Future 2 poster, the uh, Thanos Adam Warlock action figure. Uh, but generally speaking – and you also mentioned keeping your backpack light – do you buy souvenirs at cons? And if so, is it something similar? Like you might buy, and I know I'm not saying you, but like some people buy like a uh, Funko from, you know, whatever. If Especially if there's like an exclusive one to that con, they might be like, oh, I'm going to get that. Or, or you know, I'm always going to get this thing from, from a con or whatever. Do you, or, you know, whatever. Do you buy souvenirs from cons? Uh, I, I always buy something. Um, I've gone through phases pretty much. Um, when I, like I said, the, the first con I ever went to, I started to, uh, kind of admire the art, like artist alley, um, is where I ended up spending a lot of my time just going to each individual artist and looking at, uh, their prints that they had made. Um, and for the first few years, that I attended cons, that was my thing is like, go see the artists and, and they keep these, uh, portfolio, big portfolio books out on their table. And I would sit there and I would literally go to every table and flip through every page of, of every portfolio. And because I wanted to find, uh, the art that I really liked and, and, uh, reward them for lack of a better term, uh, by, uh, you know, saying like, I like this enough to buy this. And I really, I want to support you. And I, and I love what you're doing here. Um, I still do want to support, uh, the artists. Uh, I, I tend to stay away from the big exhibitors. Um, you know, the people who sell, uh, t-shirts and Funkos and, uh, stuff like that, uh, that you could buy really off 
Amazon. If it is something special, like you said, that, that's convention exclusive, I, I always bro, uh, browse the convention exclusives. And if they have something that I like, I'll, I'll try and pick that up. But those tend to go pretty fast. You got to be lucky sometimes to get those. Um, for me, what it's become uh, has been about getting original art. Um, I think it was 2015 or 2016, the first time uh, I actually commissioned, instead of flipping through an artist portfolio and saying, I'll buy this print that you made and, and made copies of, uh, I want to have you draw for me. Like, I like the way you draw this character. Can you draw this character for me? And the medium I use is um, they, uh, a few years back, about a decade ago now, I guess, they started issuing um, these blank uh, comic book covers where you could buy an actual comic book. Usually it's a number one or, an, uh, you know, a number 100 or, you know, some sort of uh, uh, anniversary issue, something like that. Um, but you can buy the actual comic, but the cover is hard cardboard and it's blank. It's just white with uh, the logo of Spider-Man, Wolverine, X-Men, whatever. Um. So what I started doing was getting these artists whose work that I really liked and going to them and saying, hey, would you mind drawing such and such character uh, on this blank comic book cover? And it still to this day is one of my passions and I love supporting the artists and I love coming up with different ideas for them to do. And sometimes they like the ideas and sometimes I get a kind of a face like, eh, you sure about this? And that tells me. Uh, go somewhere else, because if they're not going to be at least a little passionate about it, it's probably not going to come out very well. And this, I've had a couple of those. I've, I've seen a lot of those, and you know, you, I, I know you featured them on your Instagram. Does that cost you a little extra when you go to their specific table or booth or whatever, like to, to get them to do that? Because it's taking up however much of their time. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's the, their big moneymaker. That's kind of what they want to sell. Like, like if they sell a print, that's great, but they want to be basically sitting there for three or four days, just drawing the entire time and then to be able to hand it to you and then get the next person and say, you know, okay, here's yours. Here's yours. Cause that's where they really make their money sitting there and actually putting in the work while they're there. Um, and yeah, it is, it's a lot more expensive than buying a print or something, but you know, as my, uh, taste, um, grew over the years, uh, so did my income. So I, I don't mind, uh, you know, giving them a little more than I would have, you know, years back when maybe, uh, I wasn't as financially stable as I am now. Right. So... With that, like you just said, you know, they're there for a few days and, and uh, you kind of said this about the fact that some of them go, whether, you know, like when you would go to the New York one, you would go for a day or whatever. What is the average length of a con that you go to? Are they, is it a few days or is it just sort of a one day thing or is it a mixture depending on which one you go to? Uh, it depends on the con, but... Um... Both the Philly cons, I believe now, Wizard World and Keystone are three-day cons. New York, uh, for as long as I've been going to them, have been uh, four-day cons. And if I can go every day, 
I typically will. And the reason for that is uh, partially because let's say it's $50 per day. Um, if you buy a four day pass, instead of paying $50 each day, the four day pass is usually somewhere in the range of hundred and between a hundred and 150, put it that way. So the, I think that they would rather make it cheaper for you to buy the pass for all days, knowing that you'll be there, uh, rather than just the single day or a bunch of single days. Right. Yeah. It's like when you see something where it's, it's, two things are $5, but then it's two for eight or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I, I, I try to make the most out of, you know, every dollar I spend, like, so, you know, sometimes I have to work, you know, sometimes there's no getting around it. But if, um, my trips to New York, like I said before, um, they used to be when I first started, it was just go out for the day, come home later that day. Now I'll get, an Airbnb or a hotel room for three or four nights and just hang out in New York city, like go to the con during the day, go out at night, you know, have a nice dinner, whatever. Like I said, maybe years back part, part of the reason I didn't do that is because I couldn't afford to do that. But now, you know, I have the luxury of being able to. So. Well, so with that, do you, um, do you attend like the like, I mean, and I'm sure you do because if you're paying for it, you might as well go all day. But do you tend to go for the full day, or do you maybe just go because you're like, well, um, you know, say a four day event. Well, on day three, there's really only one thing I want to do, so maybe I'll go and explore the you know New York City a little more, or I'll leave and get lunch somewhere that's not with the convention or whatever. Yeah, I mean. Um... Unless there's a full day worth of activities that I want to do, and there rarely is, I probably won't spend all day there. Uh, you know, I will make that time to go grab lunch, like you said, um, go get a bagel if I'm in New York City, something like that. Um, or if I am really just there to have artists draw for me, I would just make sure that whatever I want. Uh, whatever comic I want drawn is in the hands of that artist. And if nothing else happens to be going on that day, I'll just leave and <laughs> go out to the city. Um, New York usually keeps pretty busy, so that doesn't happen a lot. What I will do, uh, what I have done, I should say, um, in past years, New York always takes place in October, so it's football season. So I'll usually cut Sunday a little short and go watch football somewhere. Gotcha. Um, I don't think it's one of my questions here, but I, I've, I, I kind of want to ask. So like I mentioned before, like lost con, um, Walker stalker con, I've seen there's like even, uh, supernatural has many cons. We know our friend Kelly has been to, to several of those. There was mm. once upon a time cons and, and, you know, obviously a lot of these feature things from other, like uh, Walker stalker con has featured several lost actors and people who aren't on the walking dead or anything like that, but they, they might have like a peripheral sort of thing. Would you prefer going to a, just a standard where it's like a comic book convention, or would you prefer going to like a themed 
uh, convention, even like a like a D twenty three sort of thing where it's it's all Disney related, you know, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, or or would you rather go to something where it's just blanket all pop culture? Uh, definitely blanket all pop culture because my my interests are are kind of uh, uh, niche. I guess you could say like even, you know, obviously you and I and probably a good majority of the people listening to this have uh, uh, this shared fandom for Lost. But it, it would be naive for us to say that that's not sort of a niche thing like it's not especially now 10 years after it aired like it's not um, a big part of uh, current pop culture, you know. Um, so I would just like that to be a little piece of what I could explore and then have other things as well around that. Like even me, like do I like comics? Yeah, sure. Um, I more specifically like Marvel comics and even then you can whittle it down to certain characters or creators that I like and others that I'll avoid. So I tend to, you know, DC is kind of outside my peripheral and especially all the independent comics are really outside my peripheral. I kind of focus on what I like and the, but the more you put into one space, the more likely I am to find something that is really of interest to me. Right. Gotcha. Um, so I only have a few more questions such as who is, and I mean, I'm sure you, you it might be the, the same answer, but your favorite personality sighting at a con, whether that's somebody that you actually went to their booth or maybe you just saw somebody walking by or whatever. <laughs> oh man. I don't know if this is my answer, but I did have the first thing that come, came to mind. Um, there was this very small con, like it, it was basically like any other con just on a much smaller scale. And it took place at a, at a little, um, hall in my hometown, uh, which my hometown is not big. I think it has a population of about 12,000 people. Um, and uh, Virgil was there. <laughs> and, uh, Did he charge you for looking at him? Uh, <laughs> a lot of people uh, <laughs> listening to this may not know who Virgil was, and maybe you're better off for it. But uh, he, he really just sucked me in, man. Like, he, he saw me because I didn't know he was there. So I'm just walking up and down the aisle scene and I locked eyes with him and he knew that when I looked at him, that I knew who he was. <laughs> so he sprout, sprouted up and got right down to it, man. And I was there with, with a, a lady friend of mine um, and, and he starts, you know, he starts talking to her like he's kicking game. He starts pulling me closer, whispering in my ear, telling me what he used to do with girls on the road back in the day. And I'm not, like, this is all unprompted at all. Just, um, And then he's like, come on, man, come on, 25 for an autograph. And I'm like, I don't know, man. He's like, all right, all right, 20. <laughs> Not an autograph, a picture. Uh, no, I did get his autograph, too. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that was one of the more interesting uh, interactions I've had, just because it was completely unexpected. Like, I don't expect to, to turn the corner and see. Hey, you know, honestly, I liked Virgil. <laughs> when he split up with the Million Dollar Man, that was a big moment for me as a young wrestling fan. So, um, 
didn't expect to put any money in his pocket that day, but I did. Um, <laughs> uh, I've heard and, that he's like that too. Like where he, he, he tries to, and I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but like, if you know who he is, you know that he was not a big star. Like I understand what you said, like that was a big moment in your fandom, but he's, he's not, he's not even the million dollar man. He's definitely not a Hulk Hogan or an ultimate warrior, but from, from the stories I've heard, he tries to make it as if he was bigger than all of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Uh, if you ever listen to any interviews or anything with it, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. And seeing him in person is just as ridiculous. And you say it, I said, it's a big moment. I didn't say it was a big moment. I said it was an interesting moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I ended up, I did end up buying the autograph, and the autograph I got was a picture of him and and Ted DiBiase was also in the picture. And uh, years again, this is another situation where I, I said, "All right, well, I got this picture of them together, and I got Virgil to sign it. So if I ever have the opportunity, I'm going to have the Million Dollar Man sign it." And sure enough, I, he was uh, at New York Comic Con one year. I walked up to him. I said. Hey, Mr. DiBiase, how are you? You know, I, I got this picture here for you. I'd love, love for you to sign it for me if you could. And he's like, sure. You know, and then he looks at it, and he, and he, I could tell he was taken aback, and he's like, where'd you see him? <laughs> I was like, ah, well, is this just a little show in my hometown? So I figured if I got this picture, and he's like, well, I guess I don't need to write your name on it because he already did. So here you go, Kevin. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Um so yeah, that, I've had a lot of interactions similar to that, but th- that's just one that jumps out in my mind. Um, that's a, I like that. That's a good, st- and that's like a, that's like a, like you said, a, you know, you have a niche interest. That's like a niche story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like not everybody, and I mean, as many people as he sucks in at his, at his booth, not everybody has necessarily that sort of story of, of seeing Virgil at, you know, especially at one in your hometown or whatever. And you know, I, I got to tell another story. Beans we're talking about wrestlers. Um, uh, these names will mean something to you. Uh, I don't know if they'll mean anything to a lot of people listening. Uh, hopefully they do because they're all great people. But uh, Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Paige, and Kathy Kelly. Is this the donut story? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is, this is my real answer. This is the best interaction I've ever had. Um, so, uh, Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose, uh, you know, I almost want to call them by their real names. First of all, Sonya slash Daria Bernato is from close to my hometown of Hampton. She's right up the road. Uh, she, she's very familiar with Hampton. Uh, she, when she's home, she's always posting on her Instagram story, uh, places that I'm very familiar with in Hampton. She's also, if I'm not mistaken, she's like friendly with, with Ellsworth. Uh, they took an acting class together, uh, years back and have maintained a relationship. So yeah. Uh, um, and then obviously she's, uh, super close with, uh, Mandy Rose or Amanda, uh, I watched them both on on Tough Enough. Uh, I watched. How do you Paige. pronounce her last name? I'm sorry. Sakamano. Okay. <laughs> well, normally uh, I'm the one who knows the name pronunciations, and you're always asking me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. But th- this is a, an East Coast Italian name, so it's kind of uh, another one of my niche uh, interests or 
areas of expertise, I guess. So uh, anyway, for, for those who don't know the story, Paul obviously already does. Um, uh, Sonia and Mandy started up this little YouTube show where every town that they would stop to wrestle in, they got donuts and reviewed them, called the Mandy's Donuts. And um, when I knew they were going to be at New York Comic Con, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to bring them donuts. And it was a whole thing. I couldn't find I got to tell you, it's harder than you would think to find donuts, good donuts, well-reviewed donuts, uh, not just Dunkin' Donuts or Krispy Kreme donuts that are just chain restaurants in New York City. It's a lot harder than you'd think. That's because so, New York's all about the bagel. Exactly. You search donuts on Yelp in New York City, and it's going to give you 20 different bagel spots that may or may not have donuts. But I don't want to go that crazy trying to find them. Um, so I end up finding uh, this place. It's supposed to have good donuts. Uh, and not only that, but they do a little rainbow design on their donut, which for anybody who knows Sonia, she's a big um, uh, advocate for the LGBTQ community. Uh, um, she's the first openly gay, uh, female superstar on the roster. Uh, and that's actually what we were there, what they were there for was, um, Pride Day, um, to promote Pride Day. And, uh, so I said, all right, let's get these, uh, rainbow, whatever they are, donuts. Sounds good to me. And that's what I'll bring to them. And I had to get them uh, Uber Eat delivered, Uber Eats delivered <laughs> to the corner outside the convention center because they couldn't deliver them actually to the convention center. So I had to walk out, get the donuts, walk back in, get in line. And um, they saw us coming. Like his, it, the, the line to meet them was outside the door of this room. And then as soon as we walked in the door, I saw their faces light up and look. And uh, Mandy actually saw us first and was like, look, look, they brought us donuts. And she pointed right at me. And I was like, I held them up. And I was like, the line wrapped all the way around the room. So I had, everybody had to get uh, to them ahead of us. And while that was happening, Mandy actually took a video of me. I don't know if you've ever seen the Instagram story. Oh, that's that, how like, I know of this story is I remember, <laughs> I remember following it that day on Instagram. <laughs> Before I even got to them, right when we walked through the door and she saw that we were carrying the donuts, Mandy Rose uh, did the little do-do-do-do-do-do. Uh, with the hearts, you know, <laughs> Instagram story. Anybody who's seen it knows what I'm talking about. It's a terrible description. But, like, she zoomed in on me with the donuts. And it was a big text that says, they brought us donuts. And eventually we got over uh, to, to meet them about an hour later. And the, the, the few people in front of us, they must have felt like they were being rushed. And even Sonya even said at one point, it's like, we're only three people away from the donuts. <laughs> And was, the people standing in front of me looked at me like, oh, great. We're going to just going to be glanced over here. Um, excuse me. So, uh, yeah, that just getting to meet uh, Daria and telling her like, hey, not only, you know, I didn't think I'd have to come to New York to see you. I thought I'd see you in our hometown at some point or through our mutual friend. Uh, but here we are with some donuts and we all ate them together. Actually, Paige had to leave. At early so she came around took selfies with everybody in the line while the line kept moving uh so it was me uh 
Sonia, Mandy, and Kathy Kelly, who I absolutely adore. And as soon as we uh, went up to meet them, the WWE photographers that were there came around and started snapping just a whole bunch of pictures. I think one of them was taking video. And I was like, I stopped really worrying about taking pictures with them at that point because I figured – you right, knew you were covered. <laughs> yeah. If all these pictures are being taken, like that, they're going to be posted somewhere at some point. And uh, it turns out I was wrong. So a lot of my pictures and my memories of that were taking, taken from uh, snapshots of – or screenshots, rather, of Instagram stories. Um, and I never got to see that the, those actual uh, professionally taken photographs of that whole experience. Oh, that's – see, I didn't know that part of the story, but I remember that day on Instagram – and being like, that's so cool. He's, you know, because I, I remember they they would do the donut thing and whatever. And then seeing that. And, and I remember all of that going down. Um, so it's funny. You said you're, you know, you and, and Sonia Deville are from a, a similar uh, area. My um, my friend, boss, whatever he is from work, he's originally from New York. And I guess he's like right near where. Mandy Rose is from so he's always he's always talking like because he and he also likes wrestling it's one of the things that kind of started our friendship um and so you know he's always like yeah you know she's from not far from where I you know lived and grew up and all this other stuff so I'm like oh that's you know it's pretty good and I always tell him like that I have you know some people who know Sonia Deville and whatever he's like oh that's like and it's just so weird that that's like a thing but yeah but I remember that and, uh, day. I remember that those Instagram stories, and I'm surprised. I, I feel like that was one of the first times when I'm just like, I gotta get Kevin to tell me some of these con stories. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, you know, shout out to Daria right now. I hope she's doing well, and hope to I hope she gets back on TV soon. So my last, well, I actually have like two or three other questions, but. Um, I think I, I know the one, maybe it was the, the story you told, but the, the one is, is there one thing that you'd like to have a redo of? Maybe you missed uh, something or someone that, or, or even that you went to somebody that you wish you hadn't gone to, or you saw something you wish you could unsee, or that you had such a great time that you would relive it again. If I had to guess based just on the stories you've told, which I'm sure you have many others that you didn't get to, um, I'm sure it would be the Mick Foley interaction, but I'm curious if there's, uh, if it's either that one or if you have another that you would either want to relive again or that you would want kind of a redo on. Uh, you know, if there was a, a, an experience I could live over and over again, it would obviously be that uh, story I just told about Sonia and Mandy. Um, if I had a, a, a redo to just do something over again, like you said, it would be the McFoley thing. I would have brought his book just to be safe, and I would have toughed it out having those extra couple ounces uh, weighing down my, my backpack um, and just had, had been prepared. You know, and now I don't make that mistake again. Like if I know somebody's going to be there and I have something I want them to sign, I bring it and I don't care how big or, or cumbersome or whatever it is. You know, I have it and I'm prepared because, you know, normally, you know, whatever they tell you the rules are typically don't really apply anyway. And even if they did, it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. This is sound like somebody talking about a gun or something but yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm, hey, I'm not gonna have that discussion but 
Um, so you said, you know, we talked before about uh, how, you know, how much you attend an event or whatever. Um, how long before them, like, do you generally arrive? Whether, like, so you said, you know, sometimes you'll go up to New York and, you know, be there for a few days. Do you go ahead of time, maybe stay a little bit after? Same with Philly. Like, I know you said it's not that far from from where you live, but do you tend to maybe go and stay over the night before or do you just get up early and go, you know, first thing in the morning or how, how do you go about that? Um, with uh, Philly, I think I've only actually stayed over once and it's, it's honestly, it's more of an inconvenience than anything because I like being able to just drive that half hour, come home, refresh, be in my own home and then whatever I need for the next day bring with me rather than having to worry about check out from a hotel or anything. Uh, with New York, ideal situation, and I have done this, and there are other years where I couldn't, uh, ideal situation is you go up sometime early uh, Thursday afternoon. I think the doors open right around noon on Thursday. So uh, go up Thursday afternoon, check in, maybe check out you know the, the lay of the land, because normally they don't, they don't do anything too big or extreme on the first day. So uh, maybe check it out, get in there 3, 4 o'clock-ish. Uh, until they close and then you know go somewhere watch a thursday night football game and then get ready for you know three days of pretty much being there non-stop and uh normally uh come home sunday night like check out wherever we're staying on on sunday morning and then come home sunday night but it's uh it's cool to have that extra day sometimes uh and just stay over sunday night in new york city as well so one, I, I have a question here. I'm not quite sure it applies, um, but it's if you could only go to one con next year, what would it be? Now, of course, cons are, pri you know, whenever they start back up are going to be, or maybe they have, I'm not quite sure, but they're going to be extremely different. And I know you said you tend to mostly go to the tri-state area ones. Um, so I guess actually that would be a question is, is there one, um, I would assume San Diego Comic-Con would probably be the answer, but is there one that you would, going by the past, not whatever cons are going to be in the future, but is there one that you would want to go to? And if there was only one that you could go to next year, what would it be? Um... I wouldn't, you know, uh, lock down one specific con because th they always do something different and it depends on who can be there or, or what kind of panels they're putting together. So, yeah, have have I only been to, mostly to, you know, these three, the, the Mid-Atlantic, I guess, or Tri-State area? Um, yeah, but am, I'm not against going to san diego i'm not against going to c2e2 in chicago i'm not against going to emerald city uh in seattle um wherever else like right right now i've talked uh, i talked about some of my bucket list items right now uh my main thing i'd like to get done i have this avengers infinity war giant movie poster it's even bigger than the back to the future 2 one um, and it's, it's not the official movie poster that they use to promote it, but it's basically a recreation of the original Infinity Gauntlet number one cover 
but with the MCU versions of the characters that are involved. And uh, it's got all but, like, I think Ant-Man and Falcon really didn't play uh, parts in, in Infinity War, right? So they, they aren't included. Uh, just so happens those are the two I've had the opportunity to <laughs> get autographs from uh, in the time that I've actually had it. And the only autograph I do have on it right now, uh, Bill mentioned this in his episode, we were both there uh, when Tom Holland was uh, made an appearance in Philly. So he uh, he actually saw the poster and I like, we had to roll it out. It's as tall as he is basically. It's <laughs> like, whoa, this is really, he's, he actually said, whoa, this is really cool. Uh, um, it wouldn't be a podcast with you if you didn't do a voice. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, and that was in collaboration with Lisa, by the way, I got to give her a shout out because she really just wanted to meet him and talk to him. Uh, and I really just wanted the autograph. I'm not, I don't really care about meeting and engaging that much. Uh, I just really want to get, all of these autographs on this one poster. So she's like, we'll split the cost. I'll get to do all the meet and greet and talk and stuff. And you can have your autograph. So that works for me. Perfect. We could all stand in line, wait together, you know, but then you go up and do your thing. And she actually had a mini, kind of a mini viral moment among the, the losty community, because I think it was just a week or two prior to that. Uh, Tom Holland had done an interview and he said Lost was his favorite show and she wanted to ask who his favorite character was and we had all kind of, we kind of took a survey among us that were there and we kind of thought he would say Sawyer and sure enough he said Sawyer and she posted her reply to that and it got some traction among the Lost and Tom Holland uh, fandom that's it uh, I was done oh alright <laughs> <laughs> Um, my, the, the last question I have, uh, if you could plan the perfect convention for yourself, who would you have panels with? What would the theme be? And where in the world would you want to have it? Um, wow. Okay. Um, it would... Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Philly because it's my adopted hometown and it's so close. Um, it would just be so easy. And, I mean, they really did it. That one year that I that I talked about, they really broke the bank to get all the big-time celebrities from the MCU plus Michael J. Fox. And it wasn't just Michael J. Fox. Christopher Lloyd was there. Um, uh, Leah Thompson was there. Which and makes they me did. think it would probably would have been 2015, not 16, because that's when Back to the Future 2 is set, right? Uh, it's possible. I'd have to check the dates on my pictures and whatnot. Um, I'm just I, I'm just going because I know you said 2016, which I'm not saying it couldn't have been because it could have been, but I would uh, that's that's where my mind would immediately go would be 2015 because that was the especially because oh no wait you said New York is in uh, October because mm -hmm. it's October of 2015 when the film October 21st 2015 right, yeah. this was I believe it was June okay. You like that? Yeah, that's right. I know the date. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. Um, but yeah, that like that, I, I really wish, because they had so much MCU talent there, uh, if I could go back and, and just do everything, but it just wasn't uh, time-wise and financially, it wasn't possible at all. So 
uh, I would definitely want a, an MCU kind of uh, influx of talent from there. Uh, I would definitely want Lost to be integrated in that some way. Um, you know, maybe, you know, with actors we haven't seen. I know Bill had said something. The first name he said was Matthew Fox. It's the first name that popped in my head as well. But it would have to be a Matthew Fox who wants to be there. You know, <laughs> like he can't just drag him out and say, hey, Matthew, like, hey, we're doing this. Come on and do it. Like, no. Uh <laughs> I wonder if, I mean, completely off topic, but just Matthew Fox related. Like I see every so often in some of the Facebook groups where people like see him out and he takes a picture and whatever. I wonder if he softened on it all these years later, you know, because the rumor has always been, and I think we've talked about it on Lost with Friends. The rumor's always been that after a certain point, he just kind of didn't care. He just wanted the show to be over. Um, He was going to give up acting because he had already, or at least TV acting, because the two major TV series that he had been on both went for six years. So he was going to focus on films, which I don't know how many films he's done since. I know he did a few while filming Lost. I don't know how many he's really done since. I know he's had some some personal life issues, and I think he moved back to Oregon or Washington or something like that. Um, Because I know at one point he said his brother lived up there, so he wanted his kids and his brother's kids to be close and whatever. But I wonder if all these years later, you know, it's kind of like, like for a very, you know, for a long time, a lot of the Star Trek actors didn't want to just be the Star Trek actors. And then after a certain point, they, uh, you know, they kind of softened and they were like, okay, so this is who I am, you know, like they, they have other things and a a real fan knows that they have other things, but it's like, but you know what, if this is where my fandom comes from, it's not the worst thing. It's not the worst thing to be associated with lost. And I I wonder if he's kind of at that point, I I would, I I would really like to see an interview or something with him where he mentions something like that. Cause I don't really see or hear much from him at all anymore. Yeah, I mean, if he's not there now, then hopefully someday. And I know um, Bill said uh, a lot about William Chatner and how meeting him was cool. Um, What I'm really, it's almost sad to say, what I'm really looking forward to, like, I don't think Robert Downey Jr. and stars who are that, that big, um, are going to be doing a lot of convention appearances. But maybe 10, 20 years down the line, their star fades a little bit. And <laughs> I'm not, I don't wish that on him. But at that point, you may be more likely to see him, you know, at a convention in Philly or wherever, you know, even if it's LA. So, I know that that's going to have to be the case eventually for me to be able to fulfill getting everyone's autograph on this Avengers poster because I'm never going to be one of those people who just tries to track him down, you know, coming out of an airport or something like that, you know. I mean, see, I don't think I mean, I get what you're I, I, I completely understand what you're saying. I don't necessarily think that his star has to fall because like Hemsworth has been at those things. Like you said, Chris Evans and their careers are still pretty on track. Just I'm not saying it has to, but it would be much more likely to happen if if it if it did. You know, because I, I think Shatner really started making those appearances, you know, long after his his mega stardom, you know, had passed him you know his 
his best days were, were behind him at that point. So, you know, I, I'm just more than willing to be patient and, and wait it out. And you're, uh, you're playing the long con. <laughs> exactly. And, um, yeah, and the same goes for for Matthew Fox. Like, hopefully, one day, like you said, he will be, even if it's not today or next year or five years from now, uh, one day he'll he'll be more than willing to uh, share his experiences and open up and, and be very forthcoming and and happy to do it. That's the big thing. Is like I don't want, you know, the the, the interaction I had with, with with Mick Foley and and a couple other people over the years is like they were being forced to be there. Um, and that's never what you want. You, you want them to want to be there. Like Mark Ruffalo, for example, was a guy who wanted to be there. Like (laughs) they're trying his, his handlers or whatever, you know, the conventional organizers, they're trying to move it along because they understand that there's a long line. But you talk about a guy who was so super nice and sincere and genuine and didn't want to stop talking. Like when Cherie and I met him, we were getting ready to walk away and he basically called us back to keep talking like, and, and that's very rare that you get that sort of interaction with somebody who is as big of a star as somebody like Mark Ruffalo, but he's super into it. And I, and I can't say anything, you know, any, anything bad about him whatsoever. I would even be fine. Um, if, I mean, I don't want to say I'd be fine, but I would even be interested if Matthew Fox like appeared and was just like, here's what I didn't like, you know what I mean? Like if he, <laughs> if he went, you know, to, to, we, you know, we've talked wrestling a little bit here. If he, if he went kind of shoot style as they, as they would say, you know, in, in wrestling parlance and basically it was just like, this guy didn't like him, you know, <laughs> like it just yeah. like went Airing off. Of on the, yeah. Like I would be, I would be okay with that even, you know what I mean? Like if he was just like, well, if it's, if it's being honest, sure. You know, you want him to be, to be, Happy to be there wherever he is, happy to be uh, doing whatever he's doing, and um, just honest. Like, yeah. Like, uh, when, like, that's all, when, all you could ask for. When we met both times, really, when we met Jorge Garcia, he was very, like, he, at least to me, and maybe you read it differently, I took it as he was very happy with lost he was very excited about lost and excited at the fact that we all still loved the show but he was definitely like hey i do other stuff too and that should be just as cool and i was fine with that because it was a very in my opinion it was a very good balance where he was just like lost is great i'm glad that it made you a fan of me but here's other things of me that you can be a fan of whether it was the haunted house thing or, you know, he was on Hawaii five O and whatever. And the fact that, you know, keeping the fandom alive, but also branching out into other things, not just his stuff, because I think he mentioned once or twice, like, Oh, you know, Michael Emerson on person of interest and whatever, you know, like that was one of the things yeah. that I liked about him where he was just like, I, we're, I'm glad you like the show. We do other stuff too, though. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, you could tell like he got happy when people would reference like, you know, uh, you know, they saw him in Hawaii Five-0, like you said, or Alcatraz or Once Upon a Time, you know, his, his parts that he played on there. Um, and what he really seemed to enjoy, you know, I'll give him another sh- shout out. When I met him, I didn't really have any lost memorabilia. I loved the show, but I didn't really have 
anything, uh, you know, that would be worthy of getting an autograph on. So what I did, because when we uh, we saw him, it was September 2014 for the first time, correct? Yes. Um, so whatever the month prior was, so I guess it was August, he had did a... That's how a calendar works, yes. <laughs> he did a daily uh, drawing challenge on his blog. Um, so what I did when I knew I was going to be meeting him and getting an autograph, I did a poster size print collage of all 31 of the drawings that he had done because he has some, some artistic skill. Uh, and when I unraveled it for him to see, he really got a kick out of that. Like it seemed like a genuine reaction. Like, okay, now like, like, like this is a fan. This is somebody who followed my drawings that I did all last month and now has printed them out. So yeah, something like that is, you know, meaningful. I, all I remember, I mean, I remember like, and personal, I remember the first time I met him and I've told the story so many times. Um, but I remember, I don't even know if you remember this, but it's one of those things where like, it was so embarrassing for me. And it's one of those moments that just kind of replays in your head over and over again. But the second time we met him and he just, he was, I mean, I don't want to, I, I don't know because I didn't have the Mark Ruffalo interaction, but the way that Jorge Garcia treated us at the haunted house thing or the haunted walkthrough or whatever you want to call it that he did um, in 2017. And the fact that he just talked with our friend group for like multiple hours, like the place closed up and people were signing out for the day and he was still talking to us and he would take a minute or two to interact with somebody as they were coming out and then turn back and he would still talk to our group and, and whatever, like that was really like, that meant a lot to me. But um, and again, I've, I've told this story once or twice, whether it was on Lost with Friends. I don't know if I ever told it on, on Paul and all, but I'm a tall guy. I know that in a group setting, I go to the back. We just did a picture for something the other day at work. And I'm just like, I'm a tall guy. I know I got to go to the back for this for this picture or whatever, because it's just something that you learn when you're when you're when you grow up tall. So I was standing in the back because I didn't want to block the view of, of somebody. And, you know, our friend group has people of varying heights and whatever. And so we were all asking him different questions about work on Lost or work on Hawaii Five O at the time and, and things to do with the, the haunts and all this stuff. And the fact that he wrote and produced, because the, there's like a video that he features in in, in that one that we, we went to and whatever. And I kept raising my hand and then because and, when he would talk, he would he would start to say a sentence and then he would finish it. And then after a pause, he would pick back up again. But you th I thought that that pause was like he was done. I don't know whether he was just collecting his thoughts or catching his breath or what, but he would take like a weird pause. I, I don't mean what that. What's that? I know what it was, but I'm not going to call him out publicly. Okay. Continue. But like he would take a pause, you know, and like. It was so I would I would slowly raise my hand and then he would start talking and then I would put it back down and then he would and then I would slowly raise my hand and then I would put it back down because he would keep talking whatever. And eventually he turns and points to me and goes, you in the back, this isn't school. You don't have to raise your hand. What do you want? 
<laughs> and I was so embarrassed because these are like some of, well, I mean, by then they were, but you know, even, you know, all these years later, these are some of my closest friends. I don't get to see them this often. And a guy from the show that we love and we're here, we flew halfway around the world, just called me out in front of all of them. <laughs> And all, and all I wanted to ask him was, you know, he's an actor. A lot of actors move into the directing chair. I just wanted to ask him if he would ever, you know, because like I said, he wrote and produced that thing. If he would ever direct like an episode of Hawaii Five-0, because after, and I'm sure you know this, many listeners might as well. After a certain point on, on TV shows, when they get into some of the later seasons, some of the actors, you know, move into the directing chair because they know the show, they know the production, they know the other actors so well that it's where they get their first taste of directing and then they might move on to be, you know, a, a television director or whatever in their own right. But that's what happens. And I kind of asked if, if he would be interested in directing, you know, an episode of Hawaii Five O, or if he would want to move to something, you know, that he did or whatever. And he answered the question and I, I loved his answer, but it was just the, the hilarity and the embarrassment that clearly still sticks with me to this day of calling me out in front of everybody that, you know, and, and I, I'm not like mad about it. Like I said, it's, it's a funny story, but it was just the fact that he took that time to, to sort of talk to all of us and, and everything else. And I just, I, I loved that. And that's why I always like talk, you know, speak well about, about him and, and those interactions. And so the fact that you said that there are, you know, like you said, you're Mark Ruffalo's or whoever, I, I that's, that gives me hope for if I ever meet some of these people. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like I said, it's, it's, there have been, you know, rough patches with, with certain people, but for the most part, you know, I, I have no regrets, you know, So that is all of my questions. Um, I don't know if you have any other uh, con stories that you can think of off the top of your head that you maybe want to tell, or maybe we can uh, revisit this sometime. Um, I am curious, I guess, so I guess it's, I'm not out of questions. I do have one more. What do you think the future of, of cons is going to be going forward? Do you think it's going to be more of this sort of zoom interacting or do you think they're going to get back to the the um in-person you know thing with with a lot more rules and restrictions with social distancing and masks and all of that because i feel like with the rules that are in place now you may not be able to do some of the stuff like you would want to do where you go up and you hand somebody something and, and then they hand it back to you and whatever, because of, you know, uh, just cleanly, you know, general cleanliness and, and whatever. I, I'm curious your thoughts, having been to some of these conventions and with everybody being in close quarters and everything, what do you think conventions are going to look like going forward? Well, I, I don't know how they're doing it, but there are cons that, that are taking place uh, as we speak. Um, they're probably not large scale. Like, obviously, you know, New York, San Diego, uh, C2E2 not happening this year. Um, 
However, there I know there are cons taking place because I follow a lot of artists and I see them there. And I see them, you know, on their Instagram stories and whatnot, posting their setup, saying, hey, come out and see me at such and such con. I don't know what precautions are being taken, uh, how it's going to look in the future. My hope is that we get back to normal at some point. Uh, Lord knows. But I, I really can't speculate if I had, you know... Maybe we can find one of our friends who has been to one of these cons that they've uh, held here uh, more recently to let us know how that's been working. But obviously, I don't think you're going to see any um, big time names popping up in any of these cons uh, for the foreseeable future. Um, I'm, I'm somewhat glad that they're doing it because I know that uh, a lot of these artists and a lot of these exhibitors rely on that con culture like they just travel week to week you know live off the you know every saturday and sunday they're at a different con uh peddling their stuff um and and that's how they make a living and that's the, a big portion of their income so i want to see them be able to do that uh just doing it safely and the best way we can as soon as possible <laughs> No, I, I agree. And I mean, that's that's the thing is like you want everybody to be safe, but you want everybody to to make a living. And, um, you know, I was I was talking earlier about the fact that um, not here, I was talking off mic to somebody else about the fact that, you know, um, uh, entertainment people are doing different things. I was talking to somebody at work recently about the fact that like the guys from Scrubs uh, you know, they started hosting a Scrubs podcast because, uh, you know, being in, in lockdown and they didn't necessarily have their regular acting or directing work. So they decided, well, let's go back and revisit this thing. And, um, you know, the um, recently, as as you know, and, and some others might, whether you're a fan of wrestling or not, um, WWE did a thing where they are taking away like Twitch accounts and things like that from their from their superstars. Um, Great time are, to do it too, by the way. Just awesome job that they're doing there. <laughs> um, but you know, a lot of them started that sort of stuff because they didn't have as much going on because they're not traveling. You know, for excuse me for live events because exactly yeah. So. Um, Finding it hard, as much as we've talked about wrestling, I just want to go on record and say I'm finding it harder and harder to support WWE. Uh, there's, an, there's an alternative out there, Kevin. Uh, At least I, I, two that sorry. I can... <laughs> Apparently they had a big show tonight. I just heard about that a couple hours ago. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I knew. Um, I don't <laughs> even watch anything really anymore. <laughs> um... But no, it's, it's, you know, like you said, like, but there are some people who that's what they do is they go like, I'm assuming Virgil, that's probably how he makes a good chunk of his money is by going to cons. I'm not trying to take anything away from the guy, but again, not the biggest star. That's, you know, kind of what he would presumably do is, is, you know, conventions like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I just like, like you said, I hope that, that going forward things can just be as safe as possible um but people can still enjoy at least a similar enough experience 
as they have in the past. Yeah, that is that is my hope that we get there sooner than later. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about with regards to conventions or anything like that? I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered it. I, I thought we'd maybe, maybe get an hour out of this conversation. And because of, of me ranting on and on, we've ended up at two. So It's a uh, thing with people named Kevin from New Jersey, so I'm not surprised by <laughs> the Kevin mm-hmm. Smith joke. Um but uh, so like we said, you've you've shared a lot of the art that you've gotten and things like that um, on your Instagram, but you are all around on social media. So let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, across uh, all forms of social media. Feel me. Feel free to give me a follow at Seventh Power. Uh, spell it out. Replace the V with a seven. For all things regarding me, you can find me uh, at JPGRB on Instagram and Twitter. My secondary Instagram is jpcs.pics. For all things clock shelves related, including other appearances uh, by myself and Kevin, you can go to clockshelves.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at clockshelves. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. And as always, Kevin is one of my favorite people to have and um i'm so glad that we were finally able to do this it's taken a little bit like i said i've kind of had this idea in the back of my mind for quite some time um i have some future paul and all episode ideas planned for kevin and some other guests so make sure that you stay tuned for all of those um but i don't really have anything else i don't think kevin has anything else with regards to cons or this conversation so um, until next we're gonna, time, hold on, we're going to get back to my movie reviews at some point too. I, I have still been seeing uh, quite a few movies, so uh, at some point, maybe a year in review. Yeah, because of course, the year that I decide, let's do every quarter. <laughs> friggin' the world and theaters shut down. Like, <sighs> yeah, go figure. Of course. So yes, that that is upcoming. Um, you know, sort of the the quarters two three and four (laughs) in review so that is upcoming as well uh but until next time thank you all for listening kevin thank you once again for being on the show and i hope you all to quote mick foley who is apparently kevin's childhood hero have a nice day (laughs) bang bang